Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. This is going to be fun today. People are already whispering where that movie is from. And don't worry, we're going to get to that in just a minute and why that was our opening. But before we do, I actually want to read a small piece of scripture to you because this is the very beginning of the Advent season, something that we celebrate here at Hope every year. Luke chapter number two, starting in verse eight, it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Now, for those of you who maybe haven't been in church for very long, or when I said the word Advent, you weren't familiar with it because maybe it wasn't part of a tradition that you, uh, you recognized at a church that you went to before, Advent simply means uh, waiting and for the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And for us, that, that notable thing, person, event, it is all about Jesus. And so every year here at Hope Fellowship, we join thousands of other churches around the world who for thousands of years have done this tradition of Advent, where we take the four weeks leading up to Christmas to think about some incredible themes, some incredible uh, aspects and characteristics that should be part of our lives because of Jesus, because of his first coming, because of him being born here on earth as we await his second coming, where we get to see him and celebrate him once again. And I'm very excited today because we are taking our Advent celebration and tradition and we're combining it with our series that we have this year called Christmas at the Movies, and we are going to have a lot of fun with it. But before I tell you where we're going with it, let me introduce myself. My name is Robert. I'm the campus pastor here at our Frisco East Campus. Our lead pastor, Pastor John McKenzie, he is on a little bit of a vacation, a little bit of a rest. Um, it's about to be December, and here at Hope, it gets very, very, very busy around December. Our Christmas Eve services, for instance, we already have started talking about them, encouraging you to RSVP for them, because we do like, I don't know, 47 of them over two days, and Pastor John speaks every Every single one of those. So he gets a well-deserved rest ahead of time. And so we uh, can't wait to see him back here, though. He will be here next weekend. But this is the weekend every year where a lot of the campus pastors, we get to be with our own campus speaking to our own people. So we've got Pastor Mike up in Prosper today. Uh, we got Pastor Aaron at Frisco West. You got Pastor Eric at McKinney. You guys, though, you're stuck with me here at Frisco East, the best campus ever. But also joining us today is our online campus, and I want to say a big shout out to them. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for peeking in with us today at what's going on here at the Frisco East Campus. Now, let me tell you about uh, Christmas at the Movies. This is going to be a four-week series where we're taking some themes of Advent and partnering them with movies. As you could tell from our opening bumper today, we will be talking about the movie Elf. But it's not about the movie, it is about joy, about the characteristic of joy. Week two, we're going to do a Christmas carol, and we are going to be talking about renewal. Week three, we're going to be talking about the Grinch 
and love and how his heart grew three sizes. Love that movie. Week number four, it's going to be a wonderful life, and we will be talking about hope. But if I'm going to be really, really honest with you, when we started pitching this series, when we started talking about it and what we wanted to do, the movies we wanted to use, the themes that we wanted to hit, um, the movie that I suggested, uh, we didn't end up using. It is one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. It is the best Christmas movie ever. It is Die Hard. I did not expect that level of response. I'll be very honest with you. But uh, I've always wondered this because I know there's this grand debate. So we're going to do a little bit of audience participation here. Um, If you're in the room, I want to see a show of hands. If you're online, just type it into the chat. Like, who in here thinks Die Hard is a Christmas movie? That's right. The rest of you who didn't raise your hand, it's all right. We're all allowed to have our own opinions. You are allowed to be wrong. In this case, it's fine. But as we started talking about these movies and what we wanted to use, I literally, I did throw out the, the option of Die Hard, um, but I, I was told that, you know, there aren't as many hmm, Advent-like themes present in Die Hard, <clears throat> to which I responded, John McClane saves everyone. How is that not like Jesus? Like, come on, people. <clears throat> but then they kindly pointed out that all of the quotable quotes that we might use from this movie contain non-church words. (laughs) So we didn't use that movie, but that's okay. We decided we wanted to kick this off with the second greatest Christmas movie of all time, and that was Elf. And so we're going to be talking about joy with Elf, Um, but one of the best parts of this movie is the number of quotes that exist in this movie. These are some of the best quotable quotes. They are uh, quoted year-round at my house, all the time. And so, hey, we're going to continue with this theme of audience participation, and we're going to play just a little game real quick. Um, I'm going to put up a quote, and it's going to be missing a chunk out of it. And when I get to that blank, if you know it, I want you to finish it as loud as you can. So it goes something like this. First one we've got, bye, buddy. I hope you... That's right. Next one we have, Santa, Santa's coming... Man, some of you are even doing it with the voice. I love it. (laughs) This is actually one of my favorites. You sit on a... I used this in a meeting here at Hope Fellowship once. People looked so confused, but it felt like one of the greatest days of my life. (laughs) Next, we've got, I'm a cotton-headed. That's right. And finally, let's do one more. The best way to spread Christmas cheer... Man, I am so proud of each and every one of you. Give yourselves a hand for that. That was incredible. Now, uh, now I know that there are some in this room that uh, probably haven't seen the movie yet. Um, and I don't know what you're waiting for. It came out in 2003. <laughs> some of you just don't want to see it because it's a Will, Will Ferrell movie. You're being a little bit of a Grinch. Now, listen, that's the movie that's two weeks from now, so, so don't need to be a Grinch, but I do want to catch you up real quick on the plot of the movie. I want to make sure that we're all on the same page, that we know where we're coming from, and I would love to show you clips of the movie, but because we're streaming, we don't want to get sued and canceled. So instead, I'm going to read to you the plot summary of the movie. Uh, normally, I would just try to tell you the plot summary, but when I was practicing, I like tried to include every single detail because I love this movie so much, and you don't want to sit here for 25 minutes 
listening to me describe the movie. So we're, I had to put this on a bigger font too, and I won't tell you why. <clears throat> on Christmas Eve, a long time ago, a small baby crawled into Santa's bag of toys. During a stop at an orphanage, undetected by Santa, the child was accidentally whisked back to the North Pole. Once discovered, the boy was quickly taken under the wing of Santa's most trusted helper and raised as an elf. But when he grew three sizes larger than everyone else in Santa's workshop, it became clear that Buddy would never truly fit into the elf world because he was six foot five. So Buddy decided to set off for New York City in search of his roots and his real father. He seeks out his biological father named Walter Hobbs, a workaholic publisher of children's book with a place on Santa's naughty list. Walter doesn't believe Buddy is who or what he says he is, and the only thing Walter believes in with any certainty is the bottom line. Elf becomes a story of Buddy finding his place in a new and unfamiliar land, from the North Pole to the Big Apple, and ultimately helping everyone find the joy of Christmas cheer again. Now, one of the defining characteristics of Buddy the Elf, one of the things that you see in him throughout the movie that you know is part of him is this unrelenting, overwhelming joy that he has. I mean, in every situation, in every circumstance, he oozes joy, excitement, wonder, cheer. It is incredible. It doesn't matter if it's like this mediocre cup of coffee. He thinks it's the best coffee in the world, kind of like the coffee out here at Hope Fellowship. Doesn't matter if it's a a breakfast of, of pancakes and biscuits. He thinks it is the best breakfast in the world. It doesn't matter if it's a tiny little tree in a window with a few small lights. Man, he just exudes joy. The reason we kind of pick this is because that is a characteristic that we would love to see, I think, in each and every one of us. Amen. Like this is, this is the time of year that we call the most joyous time of year. It's the, it's the time of year that we decorate everything, put lights up on everything, that we give gifts to each other, that we celebrate, that we sing loud. It's the time of year where we celebrate Jesus who was born, who was here for each and every one of us. And we know deep down inside of us that that is supposed to bring joy. But you know, sometimes it's really hard, even during this time of year, to have joy. Like, I think it's also even sometimes hard to define what joy truly is. Like, we look at, we look at pictures of, like, Buddy the Elf, and, and sometimes we think joy is just this, like, fake smile that we plaster on that we have to have all the time because it's, it's what we are supposed to do. But that's not really what joy is. And if I was to ask you to, like, define joy, I think we would all come up with different pieces, different characteristics of, of what plays into joy, but but that's not joy in and of itself. I mean, I, like, sometimes we might think, you know, thankfulness, what we just did at Thanksgiving, sitting around the table and talking about what we're thankful for. Maybe, maybe that's joy, but, but really that's not in and of itself joy. Or maybe it's counting the blessings that God has given us all the time, sitting back and making that list of the good job and the family that's healthy and all of these different things. But, but really, while that might be an element that can lead to joy, it's, it's not really joy in and of itself. 
And again, sometimes we think of it purely as that emotion of happiness that's portrayed in, in movies, but, but that's really not joy. Like, especially when you open up the Word of God and you look at how often joy is talked about and the ways it's described, it's, it's not really just the singular emotion. Like, joy itself is hard to define, and, and all of those things, that, that gratitude, that thankfulness, that, that happiness, what we do know is, is sometimes those areas, if they're left unfulfilled, they, they actually can rob us of joy. When that seat around the Thanksgiving table is, is empty this year, or maybe I don't have that job that I wanted, or somebody and the family's not healthy, or it's, it's hard to find that happiness. And yet the Bible continually talks about us having joy. And so I tried to define joy for us, and I'm going I'm to put up a little definition of joy up here on the screen. It says, joy is choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction, because we know that God has a plan for us and we'll use our experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. Now, I know you're looking at that definition and you're like, wow, that's, for talking about joy, that seems like a really boring definition, Robert. But this is, this is something that we pull from Scripture when we kind of start looking at the different words that are used for joy that, that kind of really defines what joy is. But ultimately, I think the best way that we can really know what joy is, what it should be in our lives, is, is actually looking at a story in the Bible to help us identify it. Because ultimately, I think joy is this thing that is so hard to define that it's better to look at it as this thing of, man, I know it when I see it. And I think one of the best stories that we can kind of pull this picture of joy from is actually from the Bible story that we started off today with, and that's the story of the shepherds in the field with the newborn Messiah. Like literally, they're just minding their own business one night, tending to their sheep, watching over them. They probably had a little campfire going, who knows, but all of a sudden the sky is filled as this big old angel shows up. First thing out of the angel's mouth is, don't be afraid, which I've always wondered, like when I was a kid growing up in church and every time they talked about an angel, an angel appeared and their first response was, don't be afraid or fear not or something like that. My, my little kid brain, I always imagined the angels as like really ugly for some reason. I don't know why, but that's what was in my brain. But fear not, the angel said, and then he tells them, hey, the Messiah is going to be born, and this huge host of angels appears, this choir starts singing, and now we pick up the story. Luke chapter number 2 in verse 16 says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angels had told them. Story of the shepherds, it's 12 entire verses of Scripture, but inside of these 12 verses, 
I think we find three observations that help us really know what joy is, what it looks like, how it should be part of our lives. And so let's just jump in. First thing we see is joy comes from knowing Jesus. Verse number 16 simply says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. And it's this idea of they hurried. I, I, I just, have you ever thought of that? Like, have you ever stopped and really wondered, like, like, why the Bible points that out? Like, I know, like, the Sunday school answer of why these guys probably hurried is because big angel appeared and said, go find Jesus. Like, that's the Sunday school answer, the easy answer. But I think it goes way deeper than that. I mean, these guys completely abandoned their job, and as fast as they could, they went out and sought Jesus. They sought this baby, and for good reason. You see, back, way back in verse 10, we read it. The angels reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you the good news that will bring you great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I don't know what you know about biblical history, but for thousands of years, the Jewish nation had been waiting on this promised Messiah. Like from the fall in the garden, from Adam and Eve taking a bite of that apple, from that day forward, they were waiting on a promised deliverer, a promised Messiah, someone that would bring their souls rest, someone that would bring their souls peace, someone that would bring their souls joy, someone that would bring them freedom in life. That was the Messiah. For thousands upon thousands of years, they had waited. Through the law that had been given to them through Moses, they were still promised this Messiah. Through the prophets throughout the years and the judges who led them, they were promised this Messiah. In fact, through this time, there were different characteristics that were identified, many of them that we celebrate in Advent, that the Jewish nation set up and said that only those things could happen once the Messiah came. Words that, that, that we simply kind of squeeze down to words like peace. For them, that word peace and shalom for them was only able to be found in and through their Messiah. If you wanted peace in your life, it could only happen through Messiah. For them, the word joy was like that. It's this, this Hebrew word, simya. We simply call it joy, and we just kind of slap the, the, the same kind of happiness uh, meaning onto it because of a horrible English language. But for them, it was the great joy. When you see that in Scripture, it's this idea of a, a soul joy, something so deep inside of us, a joy, a contentment, an excitement that can only be found in my soul in and because of Messiah. Literally, for them, joy started and ended solely and completely in Jesus. Like, like for the shepherds, joy is this byproduct of God being literally with me. Like thinking back to our movie, Elf. Like one of the most exciting things you see with Buddy when he exudes the most Christmas cheer, the most joy, as we would call it, is when he knows that Santa 
is finally coming. Santa, I know him. It's just like that for the shepherds. Messiah, Jesus. Oh, the great joy that has been promised for thousands of years. Yeah, I've got to hurry and find that. And the good news for us is it's just like that for us as believers. If we want joy in our soul, something real, something tangible, something more than just the fake plastered happiness, something more than just the excitement of the season, something more than just looking at the pretty lights and, and being happy occasionally when things are going right, if we want true joy, it starts with knowing and following Jesus. But the better news is for us as Christ followers, it's more than just God with me. It's also joy being a byproduct of God being at work within me. Like, like joy is this great evidence that yes, Jesus did come to the earth, but that God still lives on inside of me. Like in Galatians chapter number five, it, it talks about it like this. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. I think one of the, my favorite parts of this verse is this inclusion of the last line. There is no law against these things. Like, I don't know about you, but for some reason, I've known a bunch of Christians in my life that I would not really describe as joy-filled. <laughs> like, why is it sometimes that Christians can be the most miserable human beings in existence? Like, nothing seems to make them happy. Nothing seems to satisfy their soul. No matter what's going on, there's always something bad. It's like, they're, they're, they're like Debbie Downers all the time. We stand up here and we talk about, man, God has blessed us. We're actually going to be able to build a brand new building and prosper for the next generation to experience God's goodness and grace. Oh, well, then now the church is asking for money again. <sighs> if the church would only like give to the needy. So the very next week, we're like, hey, we've got this awesome program in Costa Rica where we're literally going to be able to feed, shelter, house children, and teach them about Jesus. Oh, but you won't do anything at home. It's like, hey, remember that thing where we packed all the, the little boxes for the kids in need in our local area? Oh, also the food boxes, like 1,500 of them for the people in our area? Yeah, well, I didn't have time for that. It's like... Like, why, why sometimes are we some of the most miserable people in existence? But I think it's because we're missing one of the most important things about God with us and God within us. You see, the thing that produces joy within us is often the thing that is most neglected. And that's just bringing God into our daily lives. Like, like, God wants to be a part of every aspect of your life. He doesn't want it to just be 
this God thing that you do on the weekends when you come to church and we, we sing our three songs for 16 minutes and then we have our little video and then Pastor John or somebody else gets up here and you get your, your, your message and, and then you go home and you, you don't think about God again. Like, he wants to be part of your everyday life. Like, God literally stepped out of heaven the Bible says so that he can relate to you and me, to know what we go through, to know how life is for you and I, to then die on the cross for each and every one of us so that our soul can have forgiveness and salvation and peace and joy. And he wants to be part of every aspect of your life. It looks like like prayer. Looks like reading, reading your Bible. Like all, all these little things that, that we talk about as, as pastors. Like making that a part of just who you are each and every day. In fact, I, I would say those guys that are most miserable as Christians, when you get to talking to them, when you really get to know them, they're the ones who, who don't seem to invite God into their lives that often. There's just something about being with him. There's just something about having him in your daily life over and over and over again. It can't help but produce joy in your life. But before we run out of time, I need to go on to number two. Number two, joy is contagious, so help spread it. Now, I get that we're living in the COVID generation. So when I say contagious and spread it, it instantly has like this gut like reaction. And you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. I got to cover my face. I got to make sure I do the thing and all of the things. Like I'm not suggesting like you share your germs, like keep those to yourself. That's fine. Like make sure you cover when you cough, all of those things. Now I will say the funniest thing ever was when we first got back out of quarantine towards the end of 2020, towards the end of last year. Like it was the quietest this auditorium has ever been because everyone was afraid to cough or sneeze. Like you would see people like physically trying to hold it in. And then if somebody did cough or sneeze, like everybody like suddenly got real tense and the person who coughed was like slowly sinking in their chair. Like, but when we talk about joy, when we talk about what it is, what it really looks like, one of the things I know that is true about joy is that real joy is contagious. Let, let's, let's look at the shepherds again. Verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child and everyone who heard, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. It's like, buddy, the, the, the elf code that he lives by, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. For us, the best way to spread joy is for people to see it at work in our lives. Like, and, I, and I know there's a lot of ways to do church. And maybe you grew up, and I, I was in some churches in my life where like, they had one play and it wasn't love and joy. It was hellfire and brimstone. It's like they were trying to scare you into heaven. And we don't do a lot of that here at Hope Fellowship. Like, like we, we believe in hell. We believe that it's a, it's a real thing. We, we believe, though, in Jesus and his love and his grace and his mercy. And we, we, we want to make that part of who we are. In fact, you know, Hope Fellowship 
has been built over 21 years on the principle of investing and inviting in others. Investing into them and into their lives so hopefully they could see what Jesus has done done in our lives. You see, the joy of Jesus spreads when we look at others with love. And sometimes when we get criticized for you know, not preaching hard enough or, or, or whatever it is and not talking about hell enough. Like, it's like, well, we don't do that because Jesus really didn't do that. <laughs> like he, he went into places and found hurting and broken people and loved them, and helped meet their needs and hung out with them. Like one of the accusations of Jesus that's, that's seen most often in scripture is he's a friend of sinners. Like, Yeah, he hung out with them. He showed them love. He didn't just yell at them. Now he spoke the truth in love, which is what we hope to do here. But joy is such a contagious thing that we really have it as part of our lives. We don't have to worry about about somebody getting it because they're going to see it and want it. Like, I can't tell you the number of stories that we have here at Hope Fellowship of that very thing happening. Like, like teenagers, young men who are here on a Wednesday night for a youth service. Let's just be honest, not because they want to come to know Jesus. It's because they want to come and see the teenage girls that are attending on Wednesday night. But we've had literal stories of, of teenage guys coming here at church, not for the right reasons, hanging out, whatever, all of a sudden they they see Jesus. They see the love, the compassion, the joy that somebody has in their lives, and it sparks something inside of them. And they themselves get saved, and then the next thing you know, a couple months have passed, and they appear here on a Sunday or on a weekend, and they've brought their parents. And because of the life change that the parents had seen in their lives, they're like, I don't know what it is, but I I want that too, and so I'm coming back to church for the first time in years. That's a a real story that happened here at Hope Fellowship. It plays itself out even even in things like Regen, where where people are coming to to break the chains of addiction in their lives. They've tried everything else, but they haven't been able to get rid of whatever addiction it is, and they hear about this program, and it's doing some great things, so they come and give it a try. Not believers, not Christ followers— but through that program and through the people there who have experienced the freedom because of Jesus and the joy that they have in their lives, that person comes to know Jesus. They break that addiction. Their spouse sees that change in their lives. Their spouse says, I want part of that. And they come and they're part of this church now because of it. Man, we even got a story recently from our online campus a young kid who stumbled into one of our YouTube channels that that we do for children and started watching our content and started loving it and loving Jesus through it, and their parents recognized the change. And through that, the parents decided, and we've never been to church before, but we got to find a church and go because there's something different about this kid. And joy is contagious. Have you ever watched the faces, too, of the people that we have being baptized? Like when they come out of that water, the sheer joy that's on their face because they've come to know Jesus. 
People see that and they want to be part of that. Want to know what true joy looks like? And it's this, this contagious thing that people really want to be part of. They want to have. Shepherds had it as part of their lives and they shared it with others. And people were astonished and amazed. It brings us to our third point though. Third thing we see that joy isn't dependent on our circumstances. Verse 20, it says, The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. Now, normally, you just kind of rush through this. And if, if you're not a, a reader from the first century, you don't really think about this little line about the shepherds going back to their flocks. You don't think that that has really any, any bearing on the story, but that, that's a huge thing. See, these shepherds went back to their flocks, the same circumstances, the same situations that they left. And I know the Bible talks about shepherds in a bunch of different ways, but, but during this time in the first century, shepherds were, were not viewed well. Like for a Jewish man of this time, there was no lower job that they could get than that of a shepherd. I know we put up the nativity scene and they look real stately with their big crooked sticks or whatever, but no, no. These men were loathed. They were hated. They were looked down upon. Some writers will even tell you that a shepherd's testimony was not even accepted in court during this time period. It's assumed that they were just so degenerate that you could not rely on their testimony. And it got even worse for them. Like they were not even allowed into the temple to worship. Like, could you imagine coming to church this morning and the greeters out here like, hi, good morning, oh, good morning. And all of a sudden they, they're like, oh no, you're a shepherd. Here's your folding chair, please sit outside. We'll make sure that the message is played outside. Like, like that's literally what happened to these guys. And yet, with joy, these guys went back to their same circumstances, same situations. And God used their story in an amazing way. You see, life doesn't have to be perfect to experience joy. In fact, let's be honest, life is most often far from perfect. Oftentimes, there's something that feels like it's missing, something that's not going right. And we experience, even during this time that's supposed to be the most joy-filled, happiest time of the year, we experience pain, we experience frustration, we experience loss, we experience doubt. Many of us walk into this place with tough circumstances. But joy is supposed to be part of our lives, so it changes our perspective and allows us to experience God at work in our lives. See, joy isn't meant to be this temporary thing, this fake happiness. I think another character in our story that we see exuding joy is Mary, who as a little teenage girl is told, hey, 14-year-old girl, now you, we're going to keep this PG, guys. 
but you've not done the thing that you need to do to have a baby. You're engaged, uh, but you're going to have a baby. Oh yeah, and once you have this baby, the stigma is going to follow you. People are going to look down upon you. It's going to be really tough. But how does Mary respond? Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Like, I don't know if I was Mary that I would respond in that same way. <laughs> what? Uh-uh, not me. But her soul rejoiced. Because she knew God was with her. She had real joy. So, <clears throat> so what does this mean for you and me? It means that joy is the hopeful confidence we have from knowing God and trusting God regardless of the circumstances. You see, Mary knew God and was able to trust him. So she had joy. The shepherds experienced God. So they had joy. And the more we know God, the more joy is evident in our lives. And no matter what circumstance we face, no matter what we walk through, no matter what's going on, and that joy can be there in our soul to remind us that God is a God who is both with me and within me. You see, as believers, our faith in Jesus Christ should produce in us a joy that is inexhaustible. Amen. And again, I'm not talking about some fake emotion of happiness that we plaster on and act like nothing bad has happened. I'm talking about a joy that's built on true trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, though, joy is a choice. It's us choosing to know Jesus and to make him part of our daily lives. It's us choosing to trust him no matter what the circumstances we face. But I hope that you make joy part of your life and that you can share the hope that you have in him. I want to end today simply by reading you a verse out of 1 Peter that reminds us that no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, joy is meant to be there so that it produces faith in us. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. Joy starts with Jesus. It's this thing that is so contagious. It's not meant to be extinguished simply by our circumstances. And it's something that I hope becomes part of each and every one of your lives. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? God, I simply come to you today 
Lord, just say thank you. Lord, thank you for literally stepping out of heaven to be here on earth, to know what it's like to be human so that you could relate to each and every one of us. Lord, thank you that you gave up your life so that we could have salvation and a renewed, restored, unbroken relationship with you. God, thank you that because of that, not only can we experience forgiveness and grace, but God, we get to experience your love, your peace, and your joy that knows no bounds. And God, I know that there are people in this room who have walked in today who are going through just some terrible circumstances in their lives, and what they truly need is joy. And God, I just ask that you reveal yourself to be so real in their lives that they know that you are with them and within them. That no matter what, you are beside them and that you have a plan for them. And Lord, that it says, like it says in the scripture in Psalms, that you are close to the brokenhearted and you are close to them. And Lord, during this season when the world thinks about joy and and really only thinks about it as this temporary happiness that they have, God, I just ask that you help us just show people what true joy is, what it looks like, what it can be in their lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.